0: Are you ready? It's time for hard-hitting MMA interviews and knockout analysis. It's like a cross-faced chicken wing to your mind. Get ready for MMA Sucker Radio.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we are live for MMA Sucker Radio.
2: MMA Sucker Radio. Took the words right out of my mouth.
3: (laughs) You were away last week. Thank you for noticing. uh, You did a great job. Thank you. You and Ian Bain. Yeah, I sat in my backyard to do that.
2: Very good.
3: Yeah, I wasn't in the MMA Sucker Studios. I didn't feel like coming in because you weren't around. So, yeah, I did it in my backyard. It was beautiful. Well, you're always welcome to these studios. Cheers. (laughs) I appreciate that. But when I can do it from home, I don't mind. Might as
0: well. You'd
2: sit on it in a lawn chair. Grab a drink, one of those beef tacos that you've been talking about. Yeah, mini beef tacos from Seven Eleven. If fighters only knew, (laughs) mini beef tacos from Seven Eleven. I don't think any meat, I don't think any meat from Seven Eleven would be good.
3: Yeah, I know these are pretty good. (laughs) Um, I had a messed up morning, man. Really? Yeah. Well, I went. I went. I was walking back to my car from. I went to visit someone this morning, and I was walking back from my car. And this cat was underneath another car as I was walking by. And I guess it got scared that I was walking by. Ran out into the middle of the road and got fucking run over by a truck. Oh! I didn't see it actually get run over. I just turned my head as I walked past the car. And this little cat is staring at me in the middle of the road. Like, it's still sitting up, staring at me. With one of its eyeballs popping out. And I'm like... Oh my God, oh, dude! And the next thing I know, oh, this God. thing falls down onto its side, quivers, and is dead. Oh, the, it just—Jeremy, it, it, it freaked me out so bad to see the one eye popping out, and then that—oh man! I actually puked. I literally puked as I was walking down the road, and this lady was walking across the street from me, and she goes, "Oh my God, the cat!" And then kept walking, and I was like friggin' frantic. Oh my goodness. Like she
2: was this her cat? No. Oh, she okay. she
3: just yelled across the street at me, Oh my god, the cat
2: and then kept walking. Oh. Yeah, oh. it was pretty bad. Good start to the show though, eh? Wow, way to start our podcast off with your story of a dead cat.
3: Yeah, it was it and was interesting. Beef talk to the day, but you know, the show we have tonight <laughs> Maybe that's where seven
2: not... eleven gets their meat from. <laughs> from oh, those little beef
3: talkets. <laughs> Uh, now I'm not going to want to eat any more of those, yeah. but yeah, so the show tonight we have is much better than that story that I just gave you.
2: <laughs> Holy shit. What do we say now? You know, like we've On just... the show, we have
3: Carlos Condit <laughs> fighting in a potential number one contender bout. Let's just pretend that show just didn't get off the
2: rails there, you know what I mean?
3: <laughs> Carlos Condit, yep. And we are welcoming back to the show, it's been a long time, um, E. Spencer Kite, good friend of the media of ours.
2: Yeah, good guy. Um, so yeah, that's a quality show. There really isn't much more to say after that story of yours. So, uh, I think, uh, you want to get right to things. set to rematch Barton Kamen on August 28th for the UFC Fight Night 27 card. Joining us now and returning to MMA Sucker Radio, cool to have the natural-born killer himself, Carlos Condit. Carlos, how goes it?
1: Uh, things are good, man. Things are good.
2: What uh, What's the weather like in Albuquerque? Because I imagine it is pretty frickin' hot there.
1: Actually, um, we've been spared the heat. You know, it's actually, last month or so, it's been really nice. We've had a lot of rain. Um... And yeah, no. So it's it's been pretty uh, pretty nice.
2: Yeah. So do you get used to training in that kind of heat? I mean, obviously you've been spared it this time around, but do you get used to training in the, those kind of conditions?
1: Um, you don't want to get when it does get really hot. Um, it's hard for it's hard to do stuff in the day. I feel like I get really tired during the day when it's really hot out. So you know, it's it's been a blessing. You know, that we've had some you know moderate weather.
2: So you're, you know, we're a couple of weeks away from your your second shot at Martin Campman. Um, how excited are you to, you know, going into a fight like this with redemption on your mind?
1: Uh, very excited. Um, you know, for, first time around, I, you know, that real real close decision. Um, yeah. You know, I was pretty pretty disappointed to, to have lost my UFC debut, um, and you know that there's that aspect of of the fight, but. Uh, there's also, you know, the fact that I, I really think that Martin and myself have both improved quite a bit um, since since the first fight. And, you know, I think that, that the the combination of factors, you know, is going to make for a really, really good fight, and a really exciting fight for the fans.
2: Well, this you mentioned that, how you guys have improved. I mean, obviously, uh, you and the fine folk there down at Jackson's MMA have studied a lot of Martin Kampman um and you know, looking at you know your guy's first bout in two thousand and nine, and then all looking at his fights up till now um where do you think Catman has improved
1: um I definitely see a big improvement in his striking um he always had he was always a pretty uh pretty effective striker, but um you know his last fight obviously not you know he, he you know got a a quick knockout yeah. but uh the fight before with uh with Ellenberger, you know he put on you know a pretty uh pretty wicked display of uh of uh, striking and you know in in uh, you know actually in a lot of his fights he does so i think that that's a proof quite a bit.
2: now both of you are actually coming off uh, losses to to johnny hendricks uh, but the difference is um like you mentioned um you know johnny beat campman by k o you by decision it was a loss but you know you you get you get another you got another u f c bonus um i know losses suck but do you get over a loss a lot quicker if you performed well enough to, you know, still get a bonus check,
1: uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely think so. I, you know, I, I've never been on on the losing end of like, you know, really, you know, really bad bad fight or, or really had a bad performance. I've had some, you know, some some performances that I consider mediocre, and you know, I've definitely lost some some decisions. But, um, you know, it's uh, it, it's definitely a, a consolation there. You know that I that I fought well enough to fight in the night, and you know, and you know it was a it was a fairly uh, fairly you know actually a very competitive fight.
2: Yeah, it's very seldom that anyone ever sees you in a you know a boring fight. I mean, you bring it every every time, and um, we know that the the MMA game is is more than just a physical game; it's a mental game as well. And so, I've always wanted to ask you this: I mean, you were on a great run; you got a shot at Georges St. Pierre. Uh, you got shot at that title. It didn't go your way. How hard is it for an athlete like yourself to recover mentally from that? I know fighters, you know, will all say the right thing and say, you know, they don't dwell on it. But I mean, we're all human. I mean, did it not? Did it keep you up at night? Or I mean, did it? Does it nag you in the back of your mind at all that you were there at the the peak and you had the shot and it didn't happen?
1: Um, not really on a regular basis at all. But every once in a while, um, every once in a while, it'll it'll just kind of creep into my mind. Um, yeah, so, you know, it, it's there. I mean, I, I, I use it as a learning experience and, and you know, held on to it only as long as it would, you know, serve to better me as a fighter. Um, but yeah, every, every once in a while, it'll creep into my mind and I'm like, oh man,
0: <laughs>
1: you know, so, so, so close, but you know, that also gives me motivation to, um, you know, just, you know, get, get back there again.
2: What has changed about Carlos Condit since your, you know, the last two losses?
1: What has changed? Um, I've uh, like, personally, or you know, with Just with to regards, even, to tra- regards to training.
2: Regards, yeah, both. You know, regards to training and and you know, you personally.
1: Um, I've taken uh, taken a little bit more control of my training camps. Um, you know, I I've you know I I do I trust my coaches quite a bit, and they do know what they're doing. Um, but I got to remember that you know I'm a 11 year vet in the sport, and I I know you know I know I know my body I know my my style I know what I need to work on um so I've kind of taken a little bit more control um and, and kind of done what I need to do cuz ultimately it's you know it's my ass on the line um <laughs> and uh you know in in particulars it's you know I've worked a lot on my wrestling um have uh worked with a striking coach that um is you know I I feel is more um uh, his style is more like what I grew or what I came up with and what yeah. I learned, uh, which is like more you know kind of a 8 weapon Muay Thai type type of style.
2: And so, like you know, you're bringing you know you're changing things about your training, and and I know you train with a lot of the same guys there down at Jackson. I mean, have you got have you do you bring guys in from the outside now? I mean, do you look for for other people to to spar with, and and when you're preparing for a fight?
1: Uh, yeah, I do a little bit. uh you know i I really there's there's always so many guys coming through Jackson that um that's it, it's usually not a problem that I actually that you know so there's there's always guys to spar with. um sometimes it's it's uh you know specialist coaches, you know specialized wrestling coaches, specialized jujitsu coaches. Um, those are really the guys that I've been bringing in uh, recently.
2: I' was gonna ask you, what are your thoughts on the Jake Ellenberger Rory McDonald fight uh, that happened just a few weeks ago?
1: Um, you know, obviously it was not very exciting. Um, and I think both those guys are, are on, you know, at the top of their game and they're both so skilled and, uh, um, skilled and dangerous. And I think that's maybe why the fight came off like it did is nobody was really willing to take a risk because, you know, either one of those guys could, you know, finish you, you know, at, you know, at you know, with with one mistake.
2: Due due to how lackluster that fight was, um, do you see this fight with Campman as an even bigger opportunity now?
1: Um, yeah, I yeah, I guess so. It, it definitely. I, I see what you're you know what you're, what you're getting at, but um, I mean, I think uh-huh. that regardless of their fight, me and Mark Campman are going to go out and put on a show. I just you know that that's the way both of us fight. We're both hard nosed. Um, hard-nosed competitors and uh, you know whether they had a boring fight or an exciting fight you know Martin Campman and myself are gonna go out there you know, throw down.
2: Do you ever think about like do you ever think about okay with like do you ever plan out sort of what how you want things to go not obviously for each fight but just you know the next couple fights I mean do you look at this and say well you know what if I beat Martin Campman, maybe then a fight with Rory McDonald would make sense because then that immediately puts me back on the fast track to where I want to be do you ever think that way?
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, there's, yeah, there, there's always the, the rematch for McDonald. Um, you know, if, uh, if Hendricks happens to be the GSP, you know, that, you know, his, his fight and my fight were, you know, or our fight was really close and, you know, that I could that could put me right back in, uh, in no contention. So, uh, yeah, I definitely kind of think ahead a little bit, but, you know, not looking past Mark at all.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, Give us your thoughts, by the way, on GSP Hendricks. Uh, you've competed against both guys. Who do you, who do you like in that fight, and uh, does it have upset written all over it, like a lot of people are saying?
1: Um, I mean, there's all there, there's always a possibility, and, and uh, with Hendricks being as big of a puncher as he is, um, you know, I think that he he could definitely you know go out there and and, and walk with it with the upset and walk away with the belt. But um, I think. Um, I think that George St. Pierre is too technical. Um, I think even his wrestling is is you know a little bit more technical. And I think he's going to do you know what he does and what he's done in you know his uh, last uh, several fights. You know, just kind of um, you know, win you know, win a decision basically.
2: <laughs>
1: How has uh, fatherhood treated
2: you so far? Now that your little guy's a bit older, now does he understand what you do for a living? And and does he like to hit the pads too?
1: Um, yeah, yeah he, he understands it. I asked him earlier because I, I told him I had to get on the phone and talk to you guys. <laughs> and I asked him, "Hey, you know, what does Daddy do? What does Daddy do for a job?" He told me, "He punches and kicks." and I told him, "That's right." Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he, I mean, I don't think he, you know, he's three, so he doesn't yeah. really grasp the, the, you know, the whole thing. But uh, he he did start in uh, taekwondo a few weeks ago, actually. There you go.
2: That's gotta be fun to watch, eh?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's a blast. You have a good time doing it, so it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of fun.
2: Cool, cool. Before we let you go, tell us uh what you crave the most food wise when uh you're cutting weight.
1: What I crave the most. Um maybe some really good pizza or some really good potato chips.
2: I'm asking you that just as you're probably, you know, starting to, you know, watch what you eat, right?
1: Uh, I've been you know I've been watching what I eat for like like the last 6 weeks or so. It's it's been a, a pretty pretty gradual cut, but I had to make sure that I was I started far enough out so you know, so it wouldn't be so so hard.
2: Okay, we won't talk about food anymore, but uh we will let you go, man. You got that fight against Campman on August 28th uh for the UFC Fight Night 27 card. Uh we look forward to it and uh all the best and uh I got any sponsors you want to shout out to?
1: Um, yeah, sure, man. Uh, Venom Fightwear, um, Head Rush, Blue Grace Logistics, uh, Muscle Farm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's about it, man.
2: Cool. We really appreciate it, Carlos, and uh, get back to your yeah. family, and uh, good luck. So
1: good. All right, thanks for having
2: me. Mr. Carlos Conant, always good to have on the show. We've been covering that dude since, I think, his WEC days. Yeah, yeah,
3: we have. We've followed him through... His ups and his downs of his UFC career, we had him on before his George St. Pierre fight um, to unify the interim belt and the, the real belt, Yeah. and and we've had him at his most highs when he won that belt, so um, yeah, it's always nice to talk to him. He has evolved over the, the years that we've covered him, but for, that's for sure, both in his fights and his interviews. <laughs>
2: yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, you know, he doesn't say much, I mean, he says enough in interviews, I think. I know that he doesn't want to be, you know, misquoted, and I know he doesn't want to put anything out there that's controversial, especially leading up to a fight. I think right now he's just he's focused on Campman. He made an interesting co- point though that you know if he beats Campman, yeah, he, he does sometimes think about you know what would be the next you know, big fight for him. Um, and he, you know, he, we mentioned Rory McDonald, which I think would be the perfect fight. I would love to see the, uh, you know, Condit uh, beat Campman because I want to see that fight again. Um, but you know, we also talked, what's if Johnny Hendricks wins? Yeah. I personally think that the Hendricks fight is more,
3: obviously if Hendricks wins, it's for the title. Uh, obviously that fight is more in his eyes. He, he wants the title shot again. Um, but they're not going to give Carlos Condit an instant title shot. If he, I think if he, he beats it, Martin Kampman decisively, I, I think he could be the next one in line. Because if he, Condit,
2: Condit wins, hang on here. If yeah. Condit wins, all right. And, uh, Johnny Hendricks pulls the upset. There's even more of a reason than why Carlos Condit and Rory McDonald should fight. But Rory McDonald, Carlos Condit's already beaten
3: him once. Um, he doesn't have a hell of a lot to prove. Yes, he beats Rory McDonald, who's ranked number three at welterweight. Um, that, that's perfectly fine and dandy. He beats him, and then he gets a title shot. But if he beats Campman decisively, then that rematch with Hendricks, is. That fight was razor close.
2: No, but so was the, so was the uh, Rory McDonald fight. Because. Rory was winning that fight, in my he opinion. Was, yes, he was winning. Um, and so that yeah. was a close fight as well. And Rory's gotten a lot better. I think, you know, I think to decide the number one contender, um, I think if, if Condit comes up with the victory, I think to find the real number one contender in that division, I think it's Rory McDonald or Carlos Condit, if Condit can get past Catman. I mean, even if Catman were to win, I still even like Campman, Rory McDonald. I do like
3: Catman, Rory McDonald. I don't mind that. Um, did, yeah, it's 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 hearsay until we see who wins yeah. that fight as well as who wins the the George St. Pierre yeah, um, sure. John, uh Johnny Hendricks fight. But I don't see, see see that's the difference. I don't see if George St. Pierre wins and Carlos Condit wins, that's when I see the Rory McDonald fight making a little more sense cuz you know St. Pierre had his way with with Condit already. He he did what he needed to do. He beat him. Doesn't deserve that title shot. If Johnny Hendricks wins on the other hand, I do think that there is the realm of possibility unless Johnny Hendricks and George St. Mir automatic rematch, of course. You never know. Um, I think the Carlos to Johnny yeah. Hendricks fight makes a little more sense.
2: Yeah, see, the welterweight division, I think it, that's another good point. If Johnny Hendricks were to beat GSP, I mean, we're looking at the future here, but you do have to think about it because it's coming up. And, yeah. And um, these are things you have to start thinking about in the welterweight division. Um, is if Johnny Hendricks were to beat GSP, I, exactly. I agree. They'll probably be. instant rematch so the welterweight division is kind of on is going to be on hold for the next year and a bit um so if you want to make an interesting fight you know i do like the idea of condit mcdonald um at some point but you know hey who knows exactly and rory mcdonald is getting bigger so
3: by the time that happens you never know he could be up to 85
2: yeah you and i never really got to talk about that uh fox card and i don't want to get too much into it but i mean um we talked about on the way back home i've had some time to think about it um I think Rory McDonald's still maybe two fights away. I do too. I don't think d- from eighty five or from a title shot. From a title shot. Yeah. I don't I think the UFC's got a lot of time here uh to work with. I don't think we need to see a Rory McDonald G S P fight. I don't think we will. I know some Dana White keeps saying that Rory would would do it if it was offered. I, I highly doubt it. Yeah. I, I know he's he has to say that, but I think um George and Rory realize they have a lot of time here. They're not gonna be I, fighting I each ple- other anytime soon. I
3: would personally love to see the UFC get Nick Diaz back in the mix. Rory McDonald, Nick Diaz. The marketability of that fight, the fact that he's already beaten his brother, is just. It's.
2: It. I think it'd be awesome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. There's so many things you could do in the welterweight division, but, um. I just don't see. Uh, they have time to get a number one contender. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for sure. sure. All right. Well, moving right on, uh, we're gonna talk to Spencer Kite, and, uh, well, well, should we do that right now? Some people call me the Space Cowboy yeah. Some call me the Gangster of Love He writes for Sportsnet.ca, Fox Sports, as well as UFC.com and is one of the hosts of the Choke MMA show at GracieMag.com Making a long overdue return is E. Spencer Kite. How goes it, E? What's
3: happening, boys? Forgot to mention uh,
2: fantasywired.com. Oh, whoa, Jeremy here, getting yeah. a plug in. Plug in.
0: Ah, uh, boy. Well, boy. we get... plug <laughs> that, plug that fantasy side of ours. <laughs>
2: well, okay, I gotta ask you before we talk MMA. How did that all come into being? Explain how you, you're now actually writing about fantasy sports now.
0: I am. I am the editor in chief of fantasywired.com. Jeremy is one of our staff contributors, um, one of our staff writers. Um, it came to be, it's actually, it's it's an MMA connection. My old boss, Matt Brown, and I have always sort of stayed in touch and, and always talked, I mean, in, in addition to being MMA fans, we're just sports fans in general, and, and sort of always talk about football season and baseball season and not so much basketball season because he's a, he's a Louisiana boy and, and he's primarily football, but uh, mm-hmm. we got talking this sort of, February and March, just about fantasy sports and it being a, a growing market. And um, he and I sort of paired up a little bit to do some fantasy baseball stuff. He's got a long running league with some friends, couldn't be around for his draft. I ended up helping out with his draft. Um, and then just in, in, in talking about that, he was like, you know, it's, it's a market that's growing and, and the research is out there and, and the, the information is out there that it is a booming industry. Um, and it's only getting bigger with daily fantasy sports and sites like DraftKings and, and FanDuel and, and DraftStreet and places of that nature. And so we just got talking about it and, and he had some friends that, that are in the online media industry and that he's worked with in the past from, from his days at Bluff Magazine and in Matthew Parvis who works and runs uh, PokerNews.com and, and Darren Shiflett and just said you know we're we're going to give this a go are you interested and i was like you mean i get to write about mma and fantasy sports for a living come on (laughs) 15 year old me is throwing high fives all over the place so that's how it sort of that was the genesis and we just sort of slow burned on it over over the course of kind of the winter and spring um did some some reaching out to some people and and some ads to to find some writers and I contacted Jeremy cuz I know he ran our our league on foxsports.com last year our fantasy football league and said, "Hey, you ran a league, so that means you got to know a little bit. Are you interested?" And he was like, "Yeah, for sure. Let's do this." And so we launched a couple of weeks ago now and and all has been going well. It is a slow and steady progression towards world domination.
2: <laughs> awesome, man. That's yeah, like you said, the 15-year-old boy is giving high fives everywhere. That's <laughs> excellent. I mean, yeah. I mean, who doesn't like fantasy sports? And um, I gotta ask you: Is there ever gonna be something out there that's like MMA related, as far as you know, fantasy you know goes? Because you don't really see a lot out there. I know there's counter move and and things like that, but do you ever have you ever had any ideas of some sort of fantasy league for for mixed martial artists?
0: That is my white whale. That is my like. If I ever come up with it, and I mean, I've kicked around ideas, and I've got scrapbooks laying around of ideas and spreadsheets and. And trying to figure out ways to work, make it work. I mean, you mentioned countermove. I think what they've done and the success they've had is great so far. I think it's always going to be tough when you're looking at scoring strikes and, and things of that nature and fights that haven't taken place. And and there's so much uncertainty in them. I've always thought that you know finding a way to do a stable of fighters the way we do a team in fantasy sports, might be the best way to do it but then you've got to figure out how to award points and things like that and, yeah. and so much of the U so much of the UFC becomes arbitrary as well in terms of who's on the main card and how they give out bonus awards and things like that. All things that you would like to award points for probably but it seems sort of there are lots of times that we're like, why is this fight not on the main card? Why yeah. so you know to to segue it to last weekend you would wonder why, you know, a guy like Cesar Mutante Ferrera is is on the main card and earning main card points in fantasy when the number 3 flyweight in the world <laughs> Ian McCall is is fighting in the first preliminary bout of on FX so there's there's ideas and I I would love to have the time to sit down and then, and the knowledge to sit down with somebody and try to hash it out but I haven't gotten there yet
2: Well, yeah, and like you said, nice little segue because UFC 163 uh, was last weekend. Um, Just give us your, you know, some thoughts, some highlights, some Spencer highlights and some Spencer uh, lowlights.
0: Um, Thoughts overall is, and I talked about this on Fox Sports, sort of in my, my recap piece or my moves to make after UFC 163 piece, it felt to me like a really great meal where you were just waiting on that nice dessert, that nice sweet something, just to close out the meal and you get ushered away from the table without anything. And you're like, well, what what do you mean? There's, there's no cake. There's no pie. That was all great, but I, I need cake now. I need a piece of pie. And, and that's just because the the final two bouts, sort of the two bouts that everybody looked forward to the most, both sort of fell a little flat. Um, Phil Davis, the Otomachita, obviously, controversial decision and, and sort of blew up Twitter for a while when it was announced. Um, Jose Aldo and, and the Korean zombie didn't play out the way we expected. Obviously, turns out Jose Aldo broke his foot and that changes things a great deal. But everything before that for the most part to me was was entertaining and, and enjoyable to watch. I mean I'm not gonna sit here and, and try to convince the listeners that, you know, the first three fights of the main card were were high level pay per view worthy events, but they were all entertaining to me. I mean I, I really enjoyed Anthony Perroche's win. Um, Sergio Morais's in jiu jitsu was incredible. I really enjoyed his performance. Um Viscardi Andrade started the started the night off looking really, really sharp against Bristol Morundi and and so it just sorta of, it it was kind of a, a B minus C plus event to me where it it had the potential to be really good, and if those last two bouts of the night really popped, I think we would be talking about this as, as another one of those shows in Brazil that really exceeded expectations. But because they came out flat, we're, we're sort of left disappointed and, and unsatisfied.
2: Well, let's let's talk a little bit about those two fights. Uh, Phil Davis, Leota Machida. Um, me included, thought it was you know controversial decision. I I I scored at Machida at least you know uh, two of the rounds. Uh, what about you? I mean, was it as crazy as a decision? Looking back now, as people were saying, as it being you know highway robbery, one of the worst decisions of the year. You, you know all those things that came out on Twitter. Looking back now, do you do you, do you see it as, as a big upset?
0: I don't think it was nearly as bad as, as people let on. And, and Eric Fonteneuve and I, who, who is my co-host on, or actually he hosts the show. I'm, It's his gig. I'm just the, the talking head in the phantom zone on the <laughs> Choke MMA show. We got into this because obviously Brazilian influence of working for Gracie Mag, it's it's an even bigger deal for them because their, their guy got beaten or got, got the wrong end of that decision. I... I mean, to me, Phil Davis wins round two. Yeah. The rounds wins round three, and so it becomes round one that's the swing. If you look on it, look at it on fight metric, the striking is fairly even. I think it was eight to seven Machita in terms of significant strikes, 11 to eight for Phil Davis in terms of overall strikes. He had that takedown that didn't do anything and really shouldn't be the deciding factor of the round. But we know from years of experience and unfortunately years of officials putting a lot of weight on takedowns, even if they don't produce anything, that that's something that's going to sway around. And so to me, watching the fight, as it was being called as a dominant performance for Lyoto Machida, I looked at my wife and said, I don't understand why they're calling this as such an absolute cakewalk for Lyoto Machida. This is a really close fight to me, and I can see this going either way. I would have been fine with... With 29-28, either way, I don't think it was the, I don't think the the sort of angered, frustrated. That was highway robbery. It's 30-27. Clear is is legitimate. I think it's emotion, and I think it's frustration, and and a bunch of different things, and probably a little bit of bias in terms of, you know, scoring the fight for your guy and and being influenced by. A call that I thought was pretty one-sided towards Machida, and that's not to take away from a great debut for Brian Stan. Um, but I, I don't think it was merited.
3: Now, Machida's style has been um, talked about in the past. You know, he is elusive, as they say, um, <laughs> which
2: they only said once, Somebody which I was surprised.
3: Exactly. But, you know, he 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 isn't the most exciting fighter out there he right. he's a counter puncher he's that there has been talk since the fight of of him needing to change his style um and and this wouldn't be the case in the judge's hands because his style would change. Do you think that he needs to change his style and do you think this fight think maybe nec- do you think this fight will maybe make him look at that a little bit more?
0: I think it will definitely make him look at it more. I don't think he necessarily needs to change his style he's had tremendous success throughout his career using this style um save for a couple of fights i mean this isn't the first fight that that maybe should have went his way and didn't the, the rampage jackson fight to me was a more egregious decision than this one and we sort of have forgotten that or just use it as the like well machita's been screwed like this before because it was almost three years ago now but I think the thing that, that we'll see with him, I think we might see him become a little more aggressive, and, and Dana said it afterwards, when he is at his best, is in that first round where he has that flurry and he comes forward. Now, not a lot of it landed, but if he does that once more around or twice more around, it sort of shows that clear, clearer potential dominance or gives the impression of landing more strikes and, and doing more and being more effective with his striking Whereas the setup now is, is, as you said, to wait on guys and to, to counter everything. And so if, if a guy fights Phil Davis's approach and isn't looking to get into exchanges and, and trade at every turn, there's not a lot of opportunities for Leoto Machida to throw, throw any strikes and land any strikes. And so you're always going to be walking into, walking into a fight in this situation where it can be a really close round every single round.
2: Now we have Phil Davis as the winner, and wow, that's really exciting. He moves up the rankings. Uh, is it? It's tough to get excited about this division because you have John Jones right. sitting at the top. And I, I mean, honestly, does the UFC really want to see Phil Davis and John Jones? I wouldn't.
0: I don't. I yeah. I don't think so yet. I mean, that's the one thing, and and it's sort of similar to me of Rory McDonald's win, against Jake Ellenberger in Seattle at UFC on Fox eight. As much as it's a victory over a higher-ranked opponent and a highly-ranked opponent, it really feels like it'll just be a lateral move. It's not going to suddenly propel Phil Davis to be the next number one contender necessarily. Dana White has already said that honor will go to Glover Teixeira, provided he's entertaining and exciting against Ryan Bader. Um, Take that with several grains of salt, as we all know. Um, I think Phil moves into sort of it's weird because he's fought several guys in the division that are ahead of him at this point, which was something really funny to me when they brought up the rankings of Phil Davis being number seven, Antonio Rogerio Noguera who he beat a couple of years ago in Seattle at number five, Alex Gustafson who he beat in in Alex's first fight with the second fight with the UFC, uh, sitting there at number two and fighting for the title, um, and he's also fought Rashad Evans, so there's not a lot of of fights that make sense for him right now. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Shogun Hua in his fight with Chael Sonnen. That's obviously, if, if Shogun wins, that's a fight they could make. I honestly believe that, that the winner of the Ryan Bader-Glover Teixeira fight and Phil Davis pairing off makes the most sense because it gives us a true number one contender. As great as Glover has looked, to me he hasn't beaten anybody of, of great substance yet, and listen... Quentin Jackson is a big name, but he is not the same fighter that he was back in his heyday and, and in his glory days in the UFC. And so when that's his biggest win, and, and no disrespect to Ryan Bader, who I think is a top 10 guy, but probably isn't ever going to get above sort of the 5-6-7 range, I'd like to see Glover and Phil to, to sort of put a bow on a number one contender rather than just pick the best of these sort of mediocre options.
2: In the main event, we had uh, Jose Aldo, Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie. Um, like you said, that fight sort of fell flat, and it was weird. It was in, the, in that fight, all of a sudden, I was going, Jose's got to throw more leg kicks here. I want to see more of those devastating right. leg kicks. Well, now we know why. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, we
0: all, I mean, that was, that was sort of everybody's. And, I mean, Eric and I talked about it on our show today, which will come out tomorrow. I will be sure to send it to you and your followers shameless plug yeah um yeah I mean we talked about it and, and you sit there and and for his last several fights in the UFC we've seen Jose Aldo use those kicks he used them you know famously against Uriah Faber back in the WEC and he threw the one and it landed and next thing you know there's nothing else coming and you're thinking what what's going on yeah. and then you go back and watch it and you see his foot is the size of my head yeah and so understandable I mean we still saw some I liked seeing some new wrinkles from Jose Aldo. I think his takedowns and the high level of success he had with him, he completed five of six for, over the course of the fight. I think that puts a new sort of worry and a new concern in future opponents' minds because not only do you have to worry about, you know, the leg kicks and the striking in general, but this is a guy that will put you on your back now and dump you to the ground and beat you up as well. So as much as it wasn't the performance I expected and it did sort of feel flat because, and I think it sort of suffered the same way Uriah Faber and Henneberg outed last year, that it just trailed a fight that, that sucked all the air out of the building. And so unless it was an absolute barn burner, it was going to, to be flat just automatically. Um, but I mean, it was, it was still to me an, an impressive performance and I, I could watch Jose Aldo fight any day. I would watch him fight tomorrow if he could fight. I would watch his sparring and training sessions because he's just that impressive to me from a technical standpoint.
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, he's... he's... He's one of the best, and like you said, he's beautiful to watch. Um, Chan Sung Jung, though, uh, comes with the loss, and man, the shoulder being dislocated was just, I mean, it was just hard to watch. And Poor guy. I mean, he, was, he had a lot of heart. He was showing a ton of heart in that fight. Um, obviously, he was going down, uh, you know, qu- he wasn't winning a round, that's for sure, but uh, were you impressed by the heart he was showing?
0: I mean, anytime somebody's going to try to pop their own shoulder back in sort of mid-fight as somebody's trying to punch you and then yeah. kick you in that dislocated shoulder, you win a whole lot of man points with me. Like, that's that's the kind of dude you want out in the wilderness when you don't know how to survive. He's going to figure out a way to survive, even if it means popping his own shoulder out and popping it back in. Um, it's, it's one of those things. I think Chan Sung Jung is a guy that is – is a phenomenal talent, but Jose Aldo is just on such a different level. He's never, the zombie's never going to back down. He's never going to wilt under that pressure, and he's never going to sort of just, you know, take his beating and, and sort of look for a way out. I mean, he tried to fight through dislocating his shoulder, where a lot of guys would, you know, escape out of their circle out and bring the fact that his shoulder's hanging out of, out of place to, to Herb Dean's attention, Jung just tried to pop it back in and keep fighting, and so you if if you're not impressed with that, if anybody's critical of that, then I don't know what I don't know what what impresses them because impress the hell out of me
3: now you spoke about um Brian Stan and his commentating during the Leo Machida fight uh we were chatting about it his performance, Brian Stan, at the bar when we were watching the fight and and one of our buddies said that he thinks. Stan should commentate all of the Fox cards because because he just it's not that he dumbed it down but he made it so much easier for the casual fan or the new fan to understand what was going on in the fights. Um, what do you think of his commentary overall? And and did you would you agree with that statement?
0: Um, overall, and and uh, Karen Bryan and I sort of shared a laugh on Twitter of of, like, is there anything that Brian Stan isn't good at? Like, he'd be so easy to dislike if he wasn't one of the most genuinely likable, nice, endearing human beings I've ever had the pleasure of interacting with. Because he's so, it's just so effortless. Like, just retired, been doing the analyst thing a little bit, just walks into a pay-per-view and absolutely crushes it from the opening bout all the way through. Um, The point you raised about, you know, necessarily doing all the fox shows moving forward i think it would be a great idea a thing i saw a lot sort of on saturday night and sunday morning was moving back to a three-man booth that the ufc did every once in a while with randy couture when he was in the good graces of the ufc and not fighting because he brings that fighter perspective um the thing i liked and, and you hit the nail on the head is he speaks with a level of detail that both is interesting to hardcore fight fans that you know when he's talking about guard sweeps and he's talking about different technical aspects, but it's not so technical that casual fans just absolutely zone out and don't know what's going on. The thing for me that's best of all of it, and this is not to take away from Joe Rogan, who I think does a very good job and has for a long time, I like that he's just measured and even for most of the call. There's no proclamations of that's tight, this is over. There's no screaming matches. And that sort of works to, to keep Mike Goldberg in check. And, and I thought Goldie had one of his best calls in a long time on that show because the the chemistry between them and sort of the, the symmetry of their calls and the way they interact, Brian Stan keeps Goldberg from getting overexcited and rambling on too much where he and Joe just sort of get into that back-and-forth banter and next thing you know, the fight's over.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a good point, man. <laughs> um, I, I, I didn't have a problem with it. And I mean, the fact that no one's mentioning it means that, you know, no one's speaking negative of it obviously means that he did a fabulous job. I mean, the MMA fans are so fickle. People will, like, well, I love Joe Rogan. I thought Brian <laughs> Stan did a horrible job. <laughs> Honestly, there was no, right. nobody, I didn't hear one negative comment. So, well, that's yeah, a good
0: I mean, thing. I, th- I think everything, I mean, it was one of those cards where, and if you keep Twitter up in your either tweet deck or whatever you use to to check out Twitter, the first three or four fights that, you know, not big-name guys, Brazilian fighters fighting in Brazil, the main commentary throughout my timeline was was how great Brian Stan was doing. And so with MMA fans who, who like to find ways to be negative and be critical for the sake of being critical, to not only not have criticism but to have praise is, is a testament to how, good, how well Brian Stan did it was a it was a great performance and I expect to see him back. You know, anytime Joe Rogan's out, he's the go-to guy. I wouldn't be surprised if they move him into the rotation for Fox as well.
2: Speaking of being critical, um Bellator Rampage versus Tito, are, <laughs> are you critical of that fight? I don't get it personally.
0: I'm I'm absolutely critical of that fight for so many reasons. I mean, I get the whole these are big names in terms of what i will call spike tv mma fans um casual fans that know seven names tito ortiz and and quentin rampage jackson are probably two of those seven um is this a fight that has any value or meaning to me in 2013 absolutely not we'd have to jump in the time machine and and head back to about 2005 for me to care about this fight on a competitive relevant to mma level but You know, it it gives them the opportunity. And the one saving grace I can see coming out of this, what I just expect to be a debacle of a pay per view, is if they're able to stack the deck underneath that fight and get Michael Chandler on the card, re sign Ben Askren and get him on the card, um, re sign Eddie Alvarez and get him on the card in a big fight, get Pat Curran on the card, get all your champions, get all your talent. And put it on that card so that the people that are tuning in to see Rampage and Tito because they're the names they know get exposed to the actual quality fighters that are in Bellator because there are some of them. They are few and far between, unfortunately. King Mo, I left out. Obviously, you get King Mo and Attila Bay on that card for the, for the light heavyweight title. Now that Mo has won the mini tournament designed specifically for Mo to win the mini tournament. <laughs> and you just showcase the guys that have a future with your company. Because that's not Quentin Jackson. That's not Tito Ortiz. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if this fight didn't happen just because we know Tito's history of I'm in the best shape of my life. I don't need any surgeries. Ah, I broke my neck. Oh, I got a fractured skull. I <laughs> now, can't now, fight. I shouldn't have fought.
3: Now we see Invicta with the, the $20 pay-per-view rate. And, and Bellator. Bjorn Rebney just said that you know, their price point will be between $35 and $45 uh this is still a little high for myself i don't know about you i'm pretty sure it's too high for trevor as well um i will i I can't see myself spending anything more than 20 25 dollars for a card even if it is stacked champion to champion to champion
0: yeah it's going to be really hard to get me to pay any kind of money to watch that fight i mean it takes place three days after my birthday it will be the first saturday after my birthday october 30th send your gifts um, so it's going to be tough. If it's a stacked card, I mean, listen, we all we all work in MMA journalism and media for a living, or partial living, or you know, really passionate, obsessive hobby. And so I always feel that. I mean, I went into last week's card saying, Ah, I'm not going to order this. I know what's going to happen in the main event, and you know, as much as I want to see these fights, I'm not. And I still ordered it because it's fights, and I love fights. <laughs> and so if they stack the deck enough and my wife is working on that day, and I got nothing else going on, then I will probably spend the 40 bucks and feel like a sucker. But it needs to be a really good card underneath what I just think is going to be a debacle of the main event. Because, I mean, the, the funny part to me and the frustrating part to me is that the day after we sort of heard this happening, they roll out Tito and Rampage on TNA Wrestling or Impact Wrestling.
2: Oh god, that was hard to watch.
0: And they're doing the crossover of the two and I get the cross promotion and I get using Spike for as much as you can and, you know, bleed this thing till it's dry but my, like, it just feels so ridiculous to me right now. Like They're in the same wrestling faction but they're going to fight each other in MMA and You're going to have people that wonder if it's staged, if it's fake. You could have one of the, like, I don't understand why you sign two guys to probably lucrative deals because of their name and standing and then throw them in the wrestling ring. I understand that wrestling is scripted. It's still an athletic endeavor and a physically taxing endeavor. So if either of those guys take any kind of weird bumps in the next two months, that fights out the window, especially considering Tito's, you know, the most brittle, fragile man on the face of the earth, apparently.
2: <laughs> yeah, man. When Tito came out, it I, I, man, that was really difficult to watch. I, that was really <laughs> awkward. It did not seem awkward. He seemed like he was. It was awkward for him.
0: It's. I mean, Tito Ortiz on. It's so funny because Tito is so great and charismatic in terms of delivery when the pressure isn't on. I guess like you get him at a press conference when he's in his element and he can go and you just, you want to listen to him and you want to keep asking him questions and you want him to hold court. But then you remember the affliction interview job that he had and that was painful. And Thursday night or Wednesday night on TNA was painful. And you just like, how can the two, the same guy be so good and bad at the same time? And it just, I mean, the funny thing to me is, and i 100% admit to still being a wrestling fan like I'm still eight years old I loved seeing all the like build up because TNA had sort of sold this who is August 1st like who is this mystery man that's going to be unveiled on August 1st and people were talking about is it Bill Goldberg is it Batista is it this other dude that was let go not too long ago and then it's Tito and so it just feels like <laughs> It feels like the Charlie Brown, wah, wah. Like, (laughs) if you're a wrestling fanatic and you are waiting to see this big reveal and you get Tito Ortiz...
2: That's the thing about Impact Wrestling, though. I mean, they're a second-tier, <laughs> you know, wrestling organization. They're having problems there. You know, Dixie Carter's, you know, trying all kinds of different things.
0: But you know, they're <laughs> they're, they're try- fu- It's the WCW model, man. It's the like, let's get all the offs and and re- I mean, it. And David it's funny that Spike TV is trying to yeah, just crank back the crank up the wayback machine with with Tito and Rampage for MMA because that's what they've been doing with with professional wrestling, and clearly that hasn't been working. So you would have thought they. They learned from those mistakes, but evidently no.
2: Yeah, because then they just fired a bunch <laughs> of wrestlers from Impact Wrestling, probably right. so they could afford these MMA fighters who can't wrestle. It's a great business model. right?
0: Yeah, I mean, they brought in King Mo, and he was right when when Mo signed his deal and wasn't able to fight MMA because he was still recovering from his horrific, gruesome staff infection and, and under suspension and things like that. It was the unveiling of King Mo, and out he comes. And I can't think of a wrestling match mo's been in and the year and change that he's been in in tna and so what like if it's just to hype this fight that feels like a big lead and a and dedicating a lot of effort and and money towards something that is only going to grab a very small portion of the demographic unfortunately
2: Rampage Jackson, uh, speaking of him, he keeps trashing the UFC. It's like every time he has a microphone, I'm going to make sure the first thing yeah. I say is Dana White sucks, and so does the UFC. Right. Um it's, it's getting a little old. I mean, it, why? Why is he? Why does he continue to do that? I mean, I know he'll probably never end up there, but I mean, at some <laughs> point, you got to think, you know, the Rampage legacy should, may want to live in live on in the UFC Hall of Fame at some point. Um, he's not really doing himself any favors.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing to me with all of it. And I mean, I understand Rampage is, is angry and disgruntled and thought he was hard done by. And, you know, they kept giving me wrestlers and they took my love. of this. Listen, they made you into a big enough star that you being in the A team was a possibility. They made you into a big enough star that you are still headlining a pay-per-view several years after your, the prime of your career is, is long over. And people are still interested because you're still that name. And so as much as you have those disagreements and frustrations with Dana White and the UFC, to me you owe them a debt of gratitude. And and I understand that Quentin's the type that he's never gonna get out there and say that. He's never gonna say, Listen, I owe them this and without them I wouldn't be because he doesn't I don't know that he it's that he doesn't believe it. I think it's more that, you know, he's a prideful person. He's not gonna gonna give any credit to somebody that he's frustrated with, but it's as you said, man. It's really tired now, and and it just it needs to stop. Like to me, it's it's sort of that scorned girlfriend or ex-boyfriend that always is talking about. Well, with my ex, it's like, listen, they're gone. Live now, present day. What's done is done. They've moved on. You told them they'd be sorry. They seem to be doing okay. Get over it. Focus on what you got going on because. The other thing, it's like Bjorn Revney can't be happy about every time there's a Bellator press conference with with Quentin Jackson. All he wants to do is mention the letters UFC. Like, (laughs) you keep bringing up the competition. Like, I mean, I think Mark Pavlich is crazy for never actually using the words UFC. But at least he's not overly talking about the competition. At least he keeps it focused on his brand. And, And Rampage is sitting there. All he wants to do is talk about, well, the UFC this and the UFC that. Like killing me
2: I always found it funny when he said oh the UFC (laughs) just kept giving me wrestlers and here he is fighting a wrestler
0: yeah and I mean listen like the UFC yes they gave him wrestlers they gave him Matt Hamill they gave him John Jones who isn't necessarily a wrestler he's just all world all universe everything but like that's the part that always made me laugh of like oh all they did was give me wrestlers they also gave you a title shot that you didn't really deserve like you hadn't earned by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. I was at UFC 130. It was a very dull performance. I would, his performance at his post-fight pool party the next day was better than his performance in the cage at the MGM Grand against Matt Hamill. And so <laughs> you can't take the good, embrace that, want that, and just be like, all I'm focused on is the bad. There was nothing good that came out of it. Lots of Both sides, Quentin.
2: Yeah. Cool, man. You were talking about present day. Where, where are you writing present day? I mentioned it at the top. Just let people know uh, where you're writing, where they can check out your show, and uh, where you are in the social media universe. Plug
0: uh, away, the my show friend. Is the, <laughs> the show is the Choke MMA, Choke MMA Show. It's available on graciemag.com, also the Gracie Mag YouTube channel. Um, and in my timeline tomorrow, I will be tweeting it out, of course. That timeline on Twitter is at SpencerKite. Um, writing wise, I will have a story up on UFC.com tomorrow on Cody Donovan, who is fighting in the upcoming UFC on Fox Sports 1 card in Boston. Um, interesting side story. He is the first person that I ever interviewed in MMA four years ago, and so it was really cool to get a chance to talk to him about a fight on the biggest stage. He in the organization, me writing for the organization, felt a little, I really don't like Drake, but it felt a little bit, started from the bottom, now we're here. Uh, FoxSports.com, as you mentioned, the province every once in a while in paper. I still love the Vancouver province. I'm just a busy dude. Fantasy Wired as well, as, as we talked about. So all over the place. I appreciate the uh, 47 minutes to get to plug all my stuff.
2: <laughs> awesome, bro. We appreciate having you on again, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again.
0: For sure, anytime, boys.
2: Well, it's an MMA show so we talk a lot about mixed martial arts and uh, that we did with uh, Spencer Kite. Yeah. Spencer Kite. We did. Yes.
3: Um, lots of talk. Obviously chat about UFC 163, the
2: debacle of Bellator that we currently have a bit of a contest on. Oh, yeah. Our uh, MMA musings that we put on the website every couple weeks. Uh, my opinion is Bellator is a bit of a joke. What's your uh, opinion and comment? You can agree or disagree. Just make a comment uh, wherever you see the post. Really, either on our website or on our Facebook or on Twitter, Reddit, Underground. Um, make a comment. Let your let it be known, and we can give you. Uh, we may choose you as the. Uh, I don't know the winner. I guess you call it? It it would be a winner. Yeah, (laughs) for some uh, MMA gloves, Rev Gear MMA gloves. Yeah, they're pretty nice. Fine and dandy. Fine and dandy. So if you compete and you want some free gloves, make a comment. Read the article, make a comment. And if we think it's good, we'll give you some gloves. That we will. So, we
3: don't usually get (laughs) to talk about UFC tonight because we're not recording this late, but tonight we are. And according to Ariel One, Lyoto Machida, who we spoke about earlier in the show,
2: wants a five-round rematch with Phil Davis. Wow. A five-round rematch. Basically, he wants a main event fight on a uh, Fox card, I'm assuming. Yep. Probably. I'm sure that would be the case. Yeah, because their first fight there was just so entertaining.
3: (laughs) It, it, I don't think See the thing is is A five round fight Means that it's A main event Is anyone going to be Amped to see Leoto Machida Phil Davis In a main event fight
2: Five rounds No Do you think that fight Should have been five rounds No No really I think
3: that there could be There could be the case That Um This is where Overtime comes into play Things like that, but this fight wasn't a split decision or a draw. The the judges didn't have any. Yeah, no, exactly. But what I'm saying is, is this these kind of fights? I don't think it should be a five round fight by any means. I don't think it should have been a five round fight. Um, It's not a main event. Uh, They could talk about eventually moving co-main events to five rounds as well. But then we'll be on until midnight if they start moving down the ladder that way.
2: Yeah, um, I don't think it's going to happen. Do you? No. I mean, Leon is a nice guy and everything, and I'm sure he's got a good relationship with the UFC, but I just don't see the UFC making that fight right now. No, no, neither do I. But a fight they did
3: make, um, they announced on Saturday night, Michael Bisping versus Mark Munoz would happen on October 26th, a fight night card. Um, they just announced tonight the co-main event would be Melvin Gillard versus Ross The Real Deal Pearson. Okay. It's a pretty fun fight. It's both uh, exciting strikers. They like to bang. They, uh, you know, they're fast, quick. Yep, yep. And, it could be a good fight. And
2: Bisping uh, Munoz. Yeah, that was announced that, on that's, the weekend. That's not a, you know what? Yeah, I like it. You know, I'll watch it. Yeah, it's not uh, a bad. Just based on the way Munoz looked in his last fight.
3: Yeah, and Bisping, uh, he's, you know, he's Bisping, so he's always good when it comes to the banter leading up to the fight, and it usually draws fans in. I don't know how much banter will be between
2: these two guys, though. No,
3: I know Mark Muniz is, like, the world's nicest guy. Yeah, like, (laughs) I even,
2: I think Bisping will have a tough time trash-talking him, you know? (laughs) We'll see, we'll see, for sure. Did you listen, do you like some of his commentary, by the way, Michael Bisping, when he was on Fox? I don't mind it. He's not bad. He's not bad. Not bad. He's very brash, so he says I like it that. like it is, and I, like and I think it. that 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 works. Yeah, a lot of people don't like him. I, I, personally find the guy very fascinating. Do ya? Yeah.
3: That is about it from uh, UFC tonight.
2: It was a fascinating show. Or are we? You got anything else you want to?
3: Not really. Do no? you have anything else you want to talk about? I
2: this weekend I'll be in Penticton Five Star Fight League. Yeah, you're doing. Uh, they're crazy enough to, that you're doing what the fighter interviews after. Yeah, the
3: in ring announcing. Oh
2: God, if they only knew. Yeah, oh, God, how handsome I was. There's a rumor, comparison. though. There's a rumor yeah. that Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner might be there. Rumor. I don't know. Don't I do not announce that. So. No? no? You don't know? No. There's just a rumor out there. Is there? Yeah, we'll oh. see. We'll see. <laughs> we will. Well, they're in Kelowna, are they not, that same I day? No, uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh.
0: They, yeah.
2: You just heard rumors? No, you heard rumors, you said. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's all good. <laughs> Johnny on the spot. <laughs> all right, Johnny, see you later. I don't know.